Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Guys, I'm really excited to have Alex here with us today. She is the one of the amazing people who led the Adoptive Mom podcast, and it has always been such an encouragement to me. And so I'm excited that she's here with us today to share her story and just some of her adoption journey. So Alex, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I've loved following along with you as well. Um, and I think I have like since the beginning of the podcast, but we've never actually connected. So this is really fun. That makes me happy. Okay. Well, I want to hear, well, I feel like we need to start at the beginning, right? Okay. So tell us about your family and tell us a little bit about your adoption journey. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've always known I wanted to adopt, which is really funny because I didn't grow up in an adoptive home. We didn't like have close friends that were adoptive families. So I'm not super sure where it came from, but I've just always known I wanted to adopt and specifically that I wanted to adopt older kids. Um, So when I met my husband, I did the like super cool thing of like being on our second date being like, "Uh, so I want to adopt. Hope that's cool with you. And he was like, actually, yes. Um, which sounds creepy, but it wasn't like went really well. Like it was, it was kind of like, okay, we're on the same page. Um, you know, we kind of thought we'd do it later, but I'm an Enneagram one. I'm kind of a go-getter. So I was like, let's just get this ball rolling. So pretty quickly after we got married, um, I was pregnant with our oldest biological kid who is eight now. And we actually were the crazy people. I was like six months, seven months pregnant. We were sitting in like adoption classes. Um, everyone looking us like, we were insane, which is kind of true. We were, um, but it was because we had these two boys that we were, we had seen in the heart gallery and we had a connection with their caseworkers. We were really trying to get this training done so that we could move the, you know, ball along with that. Um, and shortly after our home was open, that fell through, which was really hard. Um, I think it was harder on my husband. I had always known that it was a possibility that it wouldn't work out. Um, And I think for him, that felt like this is it. These are our boys. Um, And so I was a a little bit more willing to pivot quickly than he was. And by this point, we had had our biological child, our first biological child. And so he was still a baby. Um, So it was my husband that was kind of pumping the brakes on everything. And I was like, well, let's pivot. Let's find, you know, let's look at the heart gallery. Let's email some caseworkers, you know, and. Will you tell us what the heart gallery is? Oh, yes. No. Sure. So I live in Arkansas. And so our heart gallery, I'm not sure if every state has a similar, but I know that many states do. It's basically, um, it's a foster care resource of all of the children that are post TPR or termination of parental rights. And so they are available for adoption. So they are no longer simply foster kids. They are ready to be adopted. Um, And so you can see their photos along with their names, just first name. Um, It doesn't really give you any information on their background. Many times it will list something like they need to be in a home with out younger children or they need to be in a pet free home or they need to be, you know, whatever. Uh, Some of them will be like they need to be in a single parent, you know, mother household. And so it'll give some kind of specifics there. Um, And so we had kind of had this idea that we wanted to adopt some kids that were like seven, eight, so older, but not teenagers. We were pretty freshly married. I was 24 when we started this process. So very young. Um, And then 
the interesting, the other tidbit about heart galleries is that they are not frequently updated. And so a lot of the kids we were looking at were actually much older than their photos um, when their photos were taken. And so, and that's, they're, they're upfront with that. Once you email them, they'll tell you their actual ages. But the point being, we were looking at children who we thought were seven and eight. And then um, when we emailed with their caseworker, they were actually 12 and 13. So that was kind of our like leg into the teenager world. Um, and those were the boys that we were really seeking. And then when that fell through, uh, I guess it clicked in a, bun a bunch of caseworkers. Uh, I'm looking for the word. It's like their their brain, their thought process. Good grief. Words, Alex. <laughs> um, it was on their radar that they were like, oh, these people want teenagers, which is funny because that's not what we sought out to do. Um, so then we started getting a bunch of emails about teenagers and we met with a couple and they you know, ended up going with other families. And so when it fell through with the first two boys, that was January. And by August, we actually had the placement of our son who we adopted. He moved in with us the day after his 14th birthday the day before he started high school and it was he was moving in from a different town so this was like new place new family new to you know fresh teenager-ish and lots of change then we a week and a half later I found out that I was pregnant um by quite the surprise and so we had to tell this like freshly traumatized teenager that like guess what you're gonna be a big brother again and we had our uh, at the time, he was an eight-month-old. So we were kind of like, we're going to have two babies. And I was freaking out even separately from the adoption uh, about just having two babies because, oh, my gosh, that's insane, right? Um, so then fast forward another two months. Uh, it was the day after our gender reveal party that it was a girl that I was carrying. And we got a call from our son Clark's caseworker saying that his biological mother had had another baby and abandoned him at the hospital. And would we adopt him, too? We didn't even know she was pregnant because, again, he was post-TPR. So this was such a shock. And we were like, he was being dis discharged from the NICU that day. And we didn't even know he existed. And we were like, uh, yeah, okay. And so I was like, I, I need to make some phone calls. Give me a minute. And she didn't know I was pregnant at the time. So I panic call my husband. And what started out as a phone call that was like, we can't do this, obviously, right? Um, five minutes later turned into, I guess we're going to do this then. Okay. Um, it was just very fast, very crazy. And I made a couple of other calls to just support systems. And I was like, Hey, I think we're going to do this really crazy thing. Um, are you there for us? Do, can you help? And they were all like, absolutely. Yes. And so, uh, that was the big LOL to me because I was like, what are you doing? God giving us two babies. They're going to be 16 months apart. And he was kind of like, uh, just hold on. <laughs> So now we have three. They're all within 16 months, top to bottom. So um, that's crazy. And then also we had this teenager who was a whole, they, they felt like very separate journeys. You know, the baby, I was still very pregnant um, and he was heavily withdrawing from a myriad of drugs. And uh, we didn't have a ton of training in that. We were really learning as we went. We had an incredible support system that surrounded us and had a crib at our door, like within a couple hours. And um, so we're trying to just adjust on the fly. It's very much a blur. And then, so that's, it's like parallel worlds, right? So we're dealing with this track of like drug withdrawing baby, then having another baby. I had C-section. So it's like major surgery on top of everything. Um, and then also in this other track, getting to know this teenager who we're learning 
just had a lot of gaps in his in his life, which is super common, by the way. Um, and, you know, we learned that he had RAD or reactive attachment disorder. If you um, if your listeners aren't familiar, uh, which was a very crazy journey, um, I'll be honest. And he's 22 now, and I feel comfortable saying that. If he's listening, he would agree. In fact, he's about to do a talk with adoptive parents about Ask a Rad Kid. Um, so the journey there, spoiler alert, has been very redeeming, um, even though I think I wanted to pull out every single hair on my head um, while he lived with us. And again, Clark, if you're listening, you know this to be true. <laughs> um and so, yeah, just kind of very two separate journeys. And somewhere in there, I just became very frustrated that it didn't feel like anyone was being honest. Um, adoption is really flipping hard and it's so worth it, as you know, but it is so hard. And I feel like I felt like so many people were trying to pretty it up because you don't want to discourage people from adopting. Right. But it almost has this counterintuitive uh, reaction that instead of feeling like you should adopt because it's great look at all these influencers and their pretty pictures on instagram um it just leaves you feeling really alone and like you're doing it wrong and really ashamed you know um i i just felt like i was doing it wrong for so long and then as i started to be more honest first within my circle and then kind of on social media as well, you know, to the extent of protecting their story and being honest about what you're going through, which are two different stories. It's perfectly okay for you to share your story without sharing their story, if that makes sense. Um, but that still felt like a no-no because everyone was so hush-hush about like, don't tell them it's hard. Um, so that's kind of where the Adoptive Mom podcast was born. I We were on a vacation and we were on the way there and I was driving in the middle of the night by myself. And I just had this idea that came to me that's like, I know I can't be the only one that's struggling. I know I can't be the only mom that feels so alone in this, that, that this is hard for. And I knew this to be true from talking to my friends. And I was like, why aren't we talking about this? Why is this not more normalized? Why are we not helping these moms to feel like they're not going crazy in vain? They're not going crazy on an island. Um, so I, I woke my husband up and like, he was asleep in the passenger seat. And I was like, Hey, I have this crazy idea to start a podcast, which you have to keep in mind. That doesn't sound crazy now because podcasts are very common now, but back then it was actually like really random and weird that I was like, let's do a podcast. Um, and he, I was like, yeah, wouldn't that be fun to do like in a few years or something? And he was like, no, you're going to do it now. And so literally a month later, the first episode of the adoptive mom podcast launched, I did it for four and a half years. We had over a hundred episodes. Um, and yeah, I just, throughout that process, I got to talk to so many different cool people. We got to do really cool series, um, on trauma and just the really hard stuff. Uh, I never wanted it to just be simply an interview. Like, let's just talk about your adoption story. I always wanted to tie it back to like, let's get some resources in here. Let's make moms feel less alone. Let's um, build us up. Let's fill our cups. Let all the, you know, analogies that we love to throw around. Like I wanted all of that packed into, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of each episode. Um, and I loved it. I loved doing it. And when I ended the show in 2021, um, I was so thrilled to look around and because that at that point podcasts had become more popular. And whenever I started, I was one of like three adoption podcasts 
And there was a part of me that was like, I don't want to leave this void. But I looked around and I saw that so many moms were sharing their stories and were opening up. And I don't dare to think that's because of me. Please don't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. But it was just really cool to look around and see it becoming more normalized to talk about the hard stuff and to share our battle stories and fill each other up as we do this really hard thing that is so worth it, but really hard. Um, yeah, so that, there's the journey in a nutshell. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced, and so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. I mean, that's why I love you. It's because yeah. it's it it does feel like you're being like blindsided. You can have your eyes wide open and be like, yes, there might be reactive attachment disorder. Yeah. And you're educated on that. And then you get in and you're like, wait, no one told me about this. And it's like this whole different experience that like you had the factual knowledge, but you didn't you had no idea. And then you feel all alone and it feels like yeah, blindsided you. And it, it, I know that that's not their intent. Right. But at the same time, it's yes, we need to be talking about these things. We need to be talking about the hard and the feelings and the emotions that come along with this, that no one discusses. And that and we're just kind yeah. of saying it's, it's this magical experience. And for me, I'm like, we're, we're still getting to the magical experience. I'm sure it will happen. I'm sure I'm going to see redeeming things, but right now it's just hard mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I can stick with this in the heart and be present in all of those things. So I love, I do feel like you're one of the trailblazers of opening eyes to, yes, it's hard. <laughs> just, that's all I can say about it is I'm yes, it's hard because it's just so hard. And I know yeah. that adjectives out there besides that, but I just can't think of any other to describe it that we don't talk about. So yeah. Well, thank you for your work and your boldness and your husband's encouragement to start a podcast and share your story. So yes. Where are your people now? And do you only still have four? We have four. Um, you know, we closed our home after we adopted, um, our baby rock is his name. Um, and, we were kind of like, yeah, maybe we'll open it back up and foster eventually. Um, I, no, that's not where we're at. You know, there is still space for God to do work. We have two seven-year-olds and an eight-year-old right now, but right now we feel pretty done. Um, you know, our teenager, he lived with us for four years. Um, you know, he moved out on his 18th birthday, uh, and that felt really, really awful. Like not, not him moving out. That felt good at the time, honestly. Um, but it just felt like I felt like a failure. I felt like I had done something wrong. It just felt like this was not supposed to be our story. We were supposed to be the adoption influencers. You know, I didn't necessarily want that, but I'm just saying we were supposed to be the ones that were like, look at this really cool family and this cool thing that we built. And that's just, that wasn't our journey. And I almost felt like along the way that became more powerful to me that I could be 
this example of like, we don't look pretty and it's okay if you don't either. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like we had two parenting journeys. Like I said, we had these parallel journeys. And so it's, I mean, our, our younger kids don't even really remember Clark living with us. Um, even though he comes around now and I'll be honest when he, he said all the things that I wanted to hear the whole time, things like you were right. Things like I should have listened to you. He says those things. And for a long time, I was not ready to hear that. I was like, Hmm, little too late, buddy. <laughs> I'm I'm better now. I'm in a place where I can hear that. And we have such, we have a much better relationship now than we did when he lived with us. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, if, if I'm, I'm trying to think of how many years, six, seven, however many years ago, me could see me now, I don't know that I would have believed it. And I ha- almost hesitate to say that because I know that that is not how it always works out. Um, I didn't think that's how it would work out for us. I really didn't. Um, I didn't think it would end in disaster, but I didn't think I would feel the way I do now. Um, But watching him be a cycle breaker and um, change generations for the better is a gift that I don't really feel like I deserve a lot of the time. Um, It's still that, like, I don't know that I earned it. And that's flawed in a lot of ways, I'm sure. But that's kind of the current journey I'm on with him is just feeling like how how is this the story now? Um, and how did we get here? Uh, at the same time as dealing with three triplets, you know, in my home that are always causing chaos and um, trying to walk that journey well as, or trying to walk that journey well also. Um, yeah, it's, it's a trip. It's weird. I'm only 11 years older than our oldest. And so uh, it's very interesting. He has a child, which is cool. And I don't know if that makes me, but we're still figuring it all out. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We're still figuring it all out. Uh, But, you know, in answer to your question, I think that where it, where we are now, where everyone is now, isn't stereotypical. And that's something that I talked about a lot of my podcasts is it's okay for us to look different. And I almost feel like that has been, uh, humble brag weaponized for the influencer culture is like, it's okay that we look different, different doesn't, you know, families don't have to match. And that's true. But I I feel like those are like cute little things that we say. And it's always uglier in reality, right? Like we're a different family because there's screaming happening because people are literally falling apart. It's not like, yeah, we, you know, we might be different colors or like, yeah, we might need extra help every once in a while. No, it's like, we're drowning. We are falling apart. That's how we look different than other families. And so that broke me into like, things can look different than they're supposed to, even within the adoption world. And that's okay. And so now, you know, fast forward and we have a situation where like, you know, we're not called mom and dad, which is fine, totally fine. Um, And we're asking questions like, who are we to this kid? And what, you know, what now? And, and I'm so much more okay with that than I was back, you know, six or seven years ago when I was still trying to figure it all out and thought I was doing it wrong all the time. I feel encouraged like a yes, by his journey and his story and like where he is now, but I think I'm more encouraged by just your journey through it and how, how you've changed your, like how your perspectives, like it just gives me so much hope that not necessarily how I'm feeling now and where I think my kids are going to be and how awful I think it is. Like I, catastrophize this is that the right word catastrophize absolutely close enough okay just made that one up I don't know (laughs) I love it this whole situation of like what it's going to look like when they're adults and that may happen or may not but it gives me hope to know that I can change 
all of my thoughts and my feelings and emotions around that. Like that's hopeful to me because I can't yeah. control them, but I can, I can work on me. That's doable. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad like that. That is such a succinct way to say all of my blabbling that I just did. So <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. I love it. I'm encouraged by you. What are you doing now? Like, how are, how are you? Cause I don't imagine for a minute that you're not doing anything that's serving and loving others. So what, what is that um, right now? Yeah. Uh, thank you. First of all, that's very kind. I, um, I'm still, I'm, I'm staying home a lot of it. Um, I work part-time as an Enneagram coach. So I work for a trauma therapy clinic, which is such a special full circle thing to get to do. Um, you know, a lot of the people that helped to triage us when we were at our worst, at our lowest are now, uh, people I get to call coworkers. And that feels so special, um, that I get to sit in this office and help other people that are struggling along the way. And, you know, not all of them are from an adoptive family, but I think that just being trauma informed is such a, uh, I don't know, it gives us a unique position to see people differently in ways that we beg to be seen as adoptive parents when we get things like, oh, but that's just kids, right? Or like, yeah, but that's a normal thing. And it's like, it just makes you want to scream and be like, you don't get it. Um, I get to say I get it. And that feels really, really special. I think that that's like such a sweet gift. I mean, to anybody, but to like really understand that somebody else actually gets it because I feel like that, I get it from a friend who, you know, like you don't at all understand what I'm talking about, that I'm cleaning up poop and urine off the floor all the time because, well, you know, whatever the current situation is, I'm like, you know, you don't get it. And it makes me feel small and isolated and, and just go inward, but to be able to share and be known and be vulnerable, like that beautiful intimacy that we can create with each other and yeah. we share stories is so beautiful. Um, so do you only do Enneagram work through this clinic? Or can people hire you and they can hire me? Yeah. I do it inside the clinic and outside. What? I, like, that's amazing to me as well. Just like having these gifts that we're born with and how our personalities are and like how we're born and then how this trauma shapes us. And yeah, I'm so interested. Yeah. So it's really interesting how I, how I arrived here. Um, when I was doing the podcast, I realized that the parts of that I loved were talking to people, you know, doing this and mm-hmm. the parts of it that I hated were the parts where I was like sitting alone in an office editing or like crafting social media posts and like doing all the back end stuff. Uh, I just hated it because I am such an extrovert and I wanted to people all the time. Um, and then this Enneagram thing popped up and I became very obsessed with it, which if you are, if you understand the Enneagram, this story will be funny to you. My husband is a three. And so he was the one that was like, if you're going to be this obsessed with it, you need to like monetize it somehow. (laughs) Again, if you understand the Enneagram, that joke will kill Um, because threes are like the go-getters. And so um, I got my certification in it. And then I came back again to this clinic that meant so much and impacted our story so much. And I was just like, I think you need an Enneagram coach on your staff. And they were like, yeah, I think we do. And the rest of history, I love working here. Um, but then a lot of what I do is also business trainings and coaching uh, on leadership. And a lot of that is family leadership that totally falls within that category, leadership and development um, and getting to go work with companies on how they get along and how they understand each other and how they see each other. And a huge part of that 
is being able to see people where they're at. So whether that is trauma and that can look like adoption trauma, that can look like childhood trauma, that can look like a lot of different things. And that gets overlooked because in so many spaces, your behavior is all that matters and people miss the underneath or the why we do things the way we do. And that is what has always fascinated me about people is wanting to understand and wanting to see below the line everywhere I look. Um, And I think that especially in our culture, we spent a really long time conditioning ourselves to only look above the line. And I love seeing so many people say like, hey, no, other things matter too. Um, and I love being getting to be a part of opening people's eyes to see that. Mm. Okay. Well, how can people find you? Yeah. So my personal Instagram is at Alex. Ben. Um, and then my, I have also at Enneagram Alex. Uh, so I run both of those haphazardly my social media is not my strong suit take me uh take me like to coffee and I'll kill I kill it at that uh the online social stuff I am really really like limping across the finish line at but I do my best I do my best I do respond to dms um uh, that's and... me if you're a one and that's like yeah this piece not fall into instagram the sorry, you what did you say? The you, what said you, you said you were a one, right? I am a one, yeah. So, does that perfectionist piece not fall into the Instagram? You know, I think that that's part of the problem is that I can't get it perfect, so I just don't. Because ah, <laughs> that that's one thing that made a lot of sense whenever I was learning about the Enneagram and learning about the us, the perfectionists, is that we would rather take a zero than a 70. Um, and that makes us look like quitters a lot, it makes us feel like quitters a lot, but it's really because we we have this whole journey to walk where we learn that good enough is sometimes good enough um which is like hurts me to even say honestly what is your number a three with a two wing so that joke did kill <laughs> I thought that was funny I'm like yes I'm so glad <laughs> yeah uh what is, is your husband what is your husband he's a five okay a three and a five interesting we mm-hmm. get a lot of three and a three and a one. Oh my goodness and I think that's funny um because it's it works but uh people are always like whoa but <laughs> Well, I'm so grateful that you were on today. Thank you for having me. I love, I love, love this. Like I said, I love getting to connect with you because I followed you for so long and your journey has meant so much to me. And honestly, the resources you put out just top notch. And so getting to connect with you is such a gift. Thank you. I feel very honored by that because I feel the same about you. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. We'll be in touch and maybe have you back and talk about Enneagram and parenting and adoption. I think that would be so fun. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.